What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Junker Talk. This is our fifth episode. I'm Pedro. I'm Larissa. And we want to thank you guys for the shares, for the responses and reactions and feedback. We've been loving to get your responses to our podcast. This is a project that we very much were um, excited to do. Um, it took us a while just because I guess we were nervous or we think nobody would care, but we were loving seeing your response. If you're listening to us on Spotify, please c- click follow. So you can keep up to date whenever we drop a new episode every Friday. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, can you please leave us a five-star review and a comment? That will help us out a lot. Please follow us as well on Instagram at Junker Talk and keep it up to date with all our posts and, and social, our posts and stories, I guess. That's really much all you can do on Instagram. All right. So the, um, before we start anything, really, we talk about our highlight of the week. So do you want to start, love? What was your highlight of the week? I can. My highlight of the week this week is cheesy, and I just thought about it as I was staring out the window because I am so grateful and so appreciative for, I guess, the location that we live in and our apartment is facing because we literally get a beautiful sunset like every single day. Every single day, you can see the sun setting, and it's like five different shades of orange and yellow and blue and it's just so beautiful sometimes pink and i love the sunset i love the sun anything in nature so i love looking at that every single day so i'm really grateful for that and this is not my highlight but i think adding to that where i do my bible study in the mornings i have the view perfectly to the window outside from the kitchen and, you know, when we meet up at 6 a.m. in the morning, I see the sunrise every day. So I see the trees looking up because we have a forest like right in front of our house-ish, forest-ish. Mm-hmm. And I see the dark at night. And then as we go, as I go to the study at 6 a.m. in the morning, the sun starts to come up. And you start seeing the sun starting. And I think that's a beautiful poetic meaning for the day, starting the day with Jesus. Almost like literally. Not almost. It is literally. <laughs> yeah. With that okay, so that's kind of the last highlight. My highlight of the week was actually another podcast that I listened to. I actually listened to it today. Um, it's this Brazil's biggest podcast called Flow. Um, they're their biggest podcasters, and they're not Christian at all. And they had a guy there called Yuji. Um, anybody here that's Brazilian that was familiar with him and Bonjin Companhia know who this kid was. I grew up watching this kid on TV, um, and he was like a game show host for kids in the SBT in Brazil. Okay, because he had you know. And he had a, and he was kind of, it was like a three hour podcast. I've only listened to the first hour so far. And the first hour was like amazing because he's, he's going over his life. He started this program when he was 11 years old. He did it until he was 21. So a kid until he was an adult. And he talks about the struggles that he had, that he had to deal with providing for his family ever since he was 11, you know, cause he was at that point he was getting a lot of money and, you know, and then that pressure that he felt that he needed to helped him out and then help himself out and in the meantime he kind of got lost you know that whole story that we hear about actors like child actors just lose themselves he even mentions like Macaulay Culkin you know the kid from Home Alone and how he's he's still kind of insane nowadays and he talks about how he his life turned to like drugs and women and the partying and spending a lot of money and all these things until the moment he meets Jesus and he's and the way that he started talking about his conversion he's like coming to Christ moment is insane because this is, a, this is Brazil's biggest podcast, biggest reach, biggest views, and they're not Christian at all. One of there's two hosts. One of them is a very much a, a massive a weed guy, and he's always smoking, even during shows and all these things. And he was this kid was just I say kid. He's probably in his early thirties at this point. He was just out there 
showing his testimony saying that he was like I've, I've experienced fame I've experienced money I've experienced girls I've experienced drugs I've experienced party I've experienced everybody being into me and liking me but that meant nothing until the day that I met God and God gave me purpose and God gave me a reason to exist then everything clicked and then I kind of kept that in the back of my mind and we're going through what we were going to talk this week and I think the theme for this week is purpose and calling I think those are very interesting things and I know for our youth um, that's the thing for any youth, really, that it's a big debate in their heads, right? Like, what do I do for the rest of my life? Um, I would like to challenge you to pay attention to what we're going to say. And then maybe your your question shouldn't be, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? But it's what's been happening around me. What is God doing? How can I get involved? That's what we've been learning me and a lot for the past couple of months. That God has really been speaking to us is ask first what God is doing and how can you get involved? Before you can start dreaming and thinking about what you want for yourself or what you want God to tell you that you're going to do. Right. So let me start off with a verse in Philippians 1 verse 6 that says this. I'm reading off the passion because I love the way that the passion translated this verse. This is Paul speaking to the people that he very much loved and care about. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so what I want to talk to you guys today and what I've read a lot in Philippians since I'm doing the study with the boys is about maturity. And to me, my definition of maturity, and I think that's the basic definition of maturity, is understanding that at one point you were a kid and you took enough steps in your life to the point that you're no longer where you used to be. That's what maturity is. And looking back, I'm realizing, wow, I used to want, act, and need different things. Now I'm now I can either get them myself or they've changed. Then I realize that I'm mature. And talking about that, we wanted to go into a little bit of our um, mission in life, kind of that's been given to us in terms of calling, purpose. And we'll finish it off with talking about if we are able to do a good job with it or not. Almost like a self-assessment. So, as we're talking about here in Philippians, Paul is telling the people, I know the one, no, the most basic transition and the translation of this verse is, I know the one who began the good work in you is faithful to finish it. That's kind of, and then the passion just talks, touches that t- the feeling of the maturity that he says, he will faithfully continue the process of maturing you. And I know our audience that listens to this is, you know, kind of around our age or maybe a little bit younger sometimes too. But it's, I grew up knowing that there was going to be a purpose for me. And I grew up learning that it had to be something special. Because I would look around and my parents had a very special purpose and they were executing it. I would look to my grandparents and they had a very special purpose and they were executing it. I would look to uncles and, and and pretty much all of almost all my family members, they were executing a purpose in their lives and they had almost like this sparkle in their eyes when they would talk about certain things. So then it was kind of like building me up to I knew that I was going to to find that. You know, if you guys seen the movie Soul, Pixar's movie that's on Disney Plus. He talks about the, the, the main character. The story pretty much is about finding that, um, what did they call it? The spark moment? Almost like you're in the zone, right? Like that moment that's going to make everything else fade away around you because you're focused. And for the guy in the movie, it's, he's playing the piano. 
for some of the kids around. There was a kid that was like playing the sax or something like that. And you're just in a zone. You feel like I was made for this, right? And for the longest time, I was like, okay, I can't wait to figure it out what I was made for, what I was created for. To the point that my parents were talking to me and my sister and they said, you know, um, we actually received a couple of prophetic words over me and my sister from, you know, the prophets that they knew in the prayer session when we were very young and um, they never and they were like, but we're not going to say what it is that God has said to us about you two, because we don't want you guys to to. What am I be influenced by it. Yeah, to be like, okay, this is what I have to do, so I'm going to go on and I'll do it. Instead of being found by that purpose, which happened later in life and, you know, after we had the conversation. So, we wanted to get into a, uh, a, a little bit of what God has kind of been doing in my life and in Lala's life as you kind of just happen to tag along because it was what you had to do almost, right? And I think, you know... And mainly in terms of youth leadership. For any of you guys that know me, I, I'm the pastor's kid. I was involved in a lot of ministries growing up when I was like, you know, a teenager going to move forward. I was involved in the media. I was involved in worship. And I started, eventually started doing my own small group. Um, and then the calling to become a youth leader was not something like God came down from the skies and says, Pedro, you now shall lead this youth and lead this sheep and like it wasn't anything prophetic and like supernatural like a samuel or like a david with a prophet coming and anointing me you know it wasn't anything like that it was situational right like our current youth leader had moved and then the one that was substituting that youth leader wanted to focus on worship leading the worship team and then I was, I just, I kind of happened to be the one that was available and then kind of made the most sense at the time. So then I was giving that position when I was 17, right? It was almost around, started dating 17 to almost 18 that I, they, my parents talked to me and they said, can you, you think you'll be able to handle this to become a youth leader? And at that time I, I was sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I enjoy leading a small group. I know I have a little bit of leadership traits and like. It's just something I knew I was going to do eventually. Nothing really on the pastoral side, but more of just leading a youth. And then, what do you call it? I just said yes because it's what I had to do at that point. I always felt like if there's a need there and I happen to be available, I should be able to find a way to do it. That's what happened to worship. I was pushing to doing worship. I was pushing to leading the youth. And um, what I'm trying to say with this is that I had to learn a lot on the job, like almost like on the roll, um, learn what is the best way to be a youth leader and what is a not to do as a youth leader. And I've learned that I'm still learning, to be honest, as, still, as I still am the youth leader, almost, what, seven years at this point, six, seven years. So, but I want to ask you this, love, um, when I, when you were heard that I was going to be a youth leader, what was going through your mind? I mean, I kind of saw it coming because like you said, it was like the obvious next choice. But I think that for me, it was that realization of, okay, if this lasts a while, like it's also going to be a big part of my life for me to go into leadership more with the youth, not just like a small group. Because, you know, naturally once you get married or when you're into a relationship and you know it's leading to that your purposes kind of start to mesh and combine 
Um, so I knew that it was going to be something that I was going to grow to be a part of for sure. Yeah, and I think it almost it, it coincided. I think I became a youth leader a little bit before we started dating, right? Sorry. We a little me. bit before, yeah, before. And you got like consecrated into being the youth leader in the retreat that we had in January, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just like came back to me that in that retreat, I was I had an experience with one of our friends that has to do with this because I remember I was literally at the front and I was praying, asking God like, what is my purpose? What is my next step? What is my calling? Um, I think it had something to do with the preaching or the theme. I don't remember. But like that was literally my prayer at that moment. Like, what am I supposed to do? And it's so funny because my friend... And she literally turned around and she was like, you know what you have to do, right? And I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And she was like, your job is to be by his side. And I remember that I cried for probably the next hour because (laughs) it was just that thing that was like, you were asking that question in that exact moment. And the person is like used by God to tell you that at that exact moment. And it just like, I think that made it extra clear for me if I hadn't realized it enough that that was where I was going to be headed. Yeah. And I think what kind of, as you're talking to me here about purpose, right? I am fully aware that that's, it was what I was supposed to do to have done at that time. Um, I have no regrets over doing it at all. I have regrets in terms of how I handled a couple of things and we can get into a little bit, but I have this idea of purpose is not really about waiting for God to say something, but it's understanding what's been going on and seeing where the need is, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people spend a lot of the time looking up and saying, God, what is my purpose? What is my calling? Why am I on earth? What was I made for? Instead of asking God, God, what are you doing? What do I have to offer? You've made me so you like... I like this and I like doing this. Like to me, I loved public speaking. I loved teaching. You know, I loved speaking out in public. I love, I don't know. I was always a good example for the youth there too. And then I already had a small group, which it's kind of just a step up from that almost. So they made sense. And then it was the next natural next step for me. So for you guys that are listening to this, I want to invite you and challenge you st- and stop and stop instead of focusing. Sorry, I'm rumbling a lot. Instead of focusing a lot on the what am I supposed to do? Ask yourself, what do I have to offer? And and is there a need? And I'll guarantee you when you look for that, what do I have to offer? And you're going to see what you're good at, what you've liked, what you've liked to do. You know, your qualities, your best qualities in there. You're going to see that there is a need to me because God is a perfect planner. He's a perfect creator, and he made us the way that we are to meet needs of other people, of, of a community, of a friend. It could be just of one person. That's enough for you to serve God, you know, for maybe for that moment. That's going to be. So then, and so we started kind of leading the youth. I started leading the youth. I wanted to kind of make the point of having a couple of my our closest friends that were part of our group. To kind of do it with me, I didn't want. I felt like I didn't want to do it by myself, so we kind of created a group to, to meet up and plan. And I think um, that's kind of my biggest weak point of kind of the leadership part is that I don't have a problem planning. I don't have a problem coming up with ideas and brainstorming. But 
but I've always lacked in some sort of um, what's the goal and objective. Almost like give me what, how much the percentage do you want to growth? Um, wh- where do you want to be in like six months? You know, um, it, you know. Just by the way, if you're ever gonna go for an interview, kids, if you're growing up, they're going to ask you where do you see yourself in five years. It, they're going to ask you yep. five, ten. So, and that question is so hard. When you're 14, 15, when you're 20, when you're 25, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, I'm pretty sure if I were to ask Lala this right now, I don't know how you would answer. And I don't think you know how I would answer. No. The only thing I would say is that I would probably have a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or two. Five years. But it's it's interesting, right? Because we're a generation that's obsessed with planning. But I feel like we're also a very lazy generation. We love dreaming. Thank you, Disney. And movies. We love dreaming, but I don't know if we love the work that it takes to get to those places, right? So I remember as a youth leader, I was kind of very frustrated because I would look around and I would see like other ministries and other youth leaders and I would like, oh God, I really, I wanted our youth to be this way. I noticed where our youth should be, you know, but, and I would almost get like, feeling like some sort of jealousy and, you know, but I wasn't willing to put in the work that I know those youth leaders and those ministries put in as a, you know, um, groundwork and then, you know, sustaining it and letting it grow and letting it mature and it become what it is, right? Because I think what social media does is let us, it, we just see the final product or the, you know, almost the almost final product, the one that's been good. And we don't see the beginnings. We don't see the day-to-day. We don't see the, the grind. We do some of the hard work. So it makes it so easier for us to just look and say, I want that, but I I want it now, and I want it whatever way, and I'm not I don't know how the, the work that it's gonna take. So, um, and that's kind of what maturity is. I feel like a lot of kids they see. I imagine a kid right now, like they a kid is drinking milk, and right next to him there's a guy that's eating a full steak. Right? I'm sure a kid that's seen that is like, I want to do that. You know, like. Or they see somebody drinking something that's black, like Coke or coffee, and what do they say? I want that. Because what? They're probably bored of drinking water, milk, all these things. But they don't know that it's going to take months, years. Teeth are going to have to be um, coming out and growing. And you know what I'm saying? Because that's the process of maturity. But a kid a kid doesn't understand that because they're on baby steps. So what I'm trying to say in terms of maturity is that when you're just in the baby phase and the kid phase, you want to be mature, but you definitely don't want to do the hard work that it takes to get there. But there's almost like no escaping unless you just want to stay where you are. And I think for me, my biggest challenge is that I, I didn't want to stay where I was. I wanted to grow. I wanted to improve. I wanted to to get somewhere that I was going to be proud of what I've accomplished and what God had done in my life. Right. Um and for the next couple of years, it was a lot of learning, learning how to deal with people, learning how to deal with parents. That's a big thing in the youth leadership. Um, learning how to deal with encounters, retreats, how to plan them, how, how plan them. Something as dumb as learning how to ask people, hey, you haven't paid the retreat. It's been a week or there's a week left or, you know, and like having to do that part and like learning to be the first one and the last one to leave and the one that has to stand up first and the one that has to lead in so many different ways. And I, I'm grateful for that 
little school that I had to go through for the first couple of years. Um, but you were there next to me the whole time. Do you see a difference in me as a 16-year-old that started to lead in the youth and my 24-year-old self now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have years of experience under your belt now, so you could definitely see a difference. And I think that now you even have like more to teach and more wisdom and knowledge to pass on. Not that you didn't before, but... You know, obviously the goal as we mature is to increase in such things. So you could definitely see that. Yeah, it's a never-ending process. And I think throughout that time, we both graduated high school because I was in high school. So we graduated college, you know, now we got married. So um, at that point, we're kind of leading people that were the same age and a little bit younger and even some that were older than us. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of, okay, we're just going to have to deal with it and learn. Um and I wrote something down here is purpose is understanding the need and making yourself available to meet it. And I think when you do that, you just got to pray and then God is going to do the rest of the work. I think when I, my favorite character in the Bible is King David. And I'm fascinated, as I know much people are about the story of David and Goliath, as uh, David was out there just to help his brothers, give them food. And he, he hears the giant saying the things that Goliath was saying. And he kind of got so frustrated. He says, you know what? None of you cowards are going to do anything about it. Not even the king. Let me do it. And the king looks at him almost like, what are you talking about? And he says, hey, I have the requirements to defeat a giant. I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. I protect the sheep. And I've always, as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. He fought a lion. He fought a bear. He could feed a giant. He could, you know, fight off a giant. But when you see the description of Goliath in the Bible, you see how massive Goliath was and even the armor that Goliath had and uh, the weapons that he was going to use and the fame that he had. It was a lot easier to kill a bear, to kill a lion, you know. So, sure, David had experience as a warrior ish by helping out the sheep. That's what he had. But he did not have the experience to defeat a giant. But he thought he did. And of course, he, he knew that it wasn't going to be about him. It was going to be about God. So then God is just, the Holy Spirit just inspired him. And he, at that point, he was already anointed with God to the point that he went out there and he faced Goliath. And, you know, the rest is history. He used that little rock and he defeated Goliath. And he led the whole army after that to run after the Philistines. So I love that story so much because it shows that David just realized, hey, if you're not, guys are not doing it, I'm going to do it. Do I have the full resume to defeat the giant? No. Saul was a much better warrior than David was at that point. Saul's son, Jonathan, was a much better warrior. I'm sure all of David's brothers were much better warriors. They were much older, experienced. They had the proper armor. You know, David tried using an armor that was King Saul's, and it didn't fit him. It it, it wasn't working out right. So he went with what he had. He went with the weapon that he knew how to use. But he saw the need, and he was like, I'm going to do this. And that's David. For the rest of his life, he had the heart of God, and he saw the need of the people. And, you know... When he becomes a king, one of the first things he does brings the presence of God back into his city. He saw the need. Hey, people need to learn how to worship. People learn, need to, we need to have the presence of God in the center, at the heart of our nation. So let me look for the Ark of the Covenant. Where is this Ark? And he found it in the house of people. He brings them in. So I think, I think our job here on earth is now looking to see what is God doing? How can I help? How can I help? Okay, so going back to what we've learned throughout these past couple of years, what do you think was the thing that you've learned that was the most significant to you throughout this time? 
I think one of the most important things that I've learned, especially in like the recent years, is that as a youth leader, it's important that you make yourself available. I think that, um, you know, as a youth leader, you think of the general youth, like the whole youth, big picture. But I think there's so much value in making yourself available to like each individual person. Um, And that is really where like discipleship and companionship comes in. And that becomes super important in building that relationship with each individual person because, you know, you're only going to run to somebody for help and for advice and for prayer um, if you have that relationship with them. And, you know, once you have that relationship with the people in your youth, your youth becomes stronger because you become more united. You get to know one another better. And I think that's important to give attention to the individual as well as to the group in a whole. Yeah, and this week I've been reading, I finished up reading the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, and those are two guys that were, and even Esther at that point knew in between there as well. There's a couple of people that were clearly, they understood that they were created for such a time as the one they were in, right? Literally, because that's what Esther literally said. Uh, Mordecai literally says to Esther, Mordecai, right? That was her uncle's name. And, you know, Nehemiah happened to be not fit at all to do what he had to do, but he felt the need, right? When people tell told him, I just came back from Jerusalem, the town is in chaos, it's in ruins, and there's no protection. And the Bible says that Nehemiah cried to God, and he made a prayer to God, asking God, use me. Uh, what is it called? This copier, what is that called? He serves, he tries the food of the, the king before the I king eats it. I think it's a cupbearer. Cupbearer, yeah. Uh, a simple cupbearer helped me to become an architect and a leader that's going to lead the people back from exile back into Jerusalem and we're going to build the walls and we're going to have to avoid a lot of you know terrible things that you see in the book of Nehemiah and the king the God was with him and the and God blessed the king and God used the king to bless Nehemiah and give him every single resources that he needed to get that process done and Ezra was just a priest that understood it you know he was a priest I was like this is what we need to do to build the second altar, the, the second temple, and we need to make everything happen the way that it was before, Br- bringing it back to the book of the law, making everybody read it, making sure that the priests that were not um, of the right family to serve, they couldn't serve, taking those out, taking the impurities out, and all these things. So they they were available. It's funny that in those stories, you do not have God coming down and calling them to do those things. Just like in the story of Esther, you do not have God calling Mordecai or Esther to say, do this, save my people, protect my people, or help my people to worship in the temple. All you have was them saying, something is going on. I happen to be the person that can find a way to do it. Ezra was the priest. Nehemiah was the one that closest to the king for the resources. And Esther was closest to the king for the, the new law to save the Jews. Yeah, and I always thought it was even mind-blowing when somebody pointed it out that, like, God is not even mentioned in the book of Esther. Mm -hmm. So you really see that it's run by the need and the desire to help other people. And I feel like this that we're talking about, how, like, purpose is understanding that there's a need and just looking for that need that you can meet. I think that's something that I wish that I had known earlier, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because I didn't grow up in a family where like generations back are Christian like you did and generations back had a very 
clear calling and a very clear purpose so growing up for me it was more of like waiting for that moment of like epiphany of jesus or god like coming down and saying like hey this is your calling Mm -hmm. um so i remember praying for that so many times like god just tell me my calling just tell me my calling what is my purpose and i never thought about it in the sense of look for the need and go fulfill it and that's how you're going to be serving in the kingdom and it's made such a difference to think that way because you know as i was growing up i tried different things i tried dance ministry because my mom was in the dance ministry and it was fun for a while there but i think i outgrew it and it was more of a hobby than a like purpose in church i feel um and so i think that once it became more clear that hey there's a need for somebody to lead these younger girls. You know, I started off by giving small group for to girls who were like 12 at the time and there was nobody leading them. And so I think that that's when I started falling into that purpose of going where there was a need. Yeah. But I also think that like God doesn't really use people that are just laying around not doing anything. Right. Um, when we when we started in our position of leadership, we had years of serving, if that makes sense. So we're not saying that God can't use it to be a leader at 12, 13, 14 years old. But we had to go through the process of serving, you know, serving in your small group, serving in a ministry within the church, understanding how to deal with authority. Because you you can't be an authority if you don't know how to respond to an authority. That is just not going to work. That that power is going to, you know, not going to be really good for you. So. We had years and years of doing things and learning and having skills that kind of match that ability. So, like, um, all these people that we mentioned in the Bible, they had to go through years and years of um, not necessarily preparation, but just they, they knew what they were talking about. You know, like, they had to be close to God. God is not going to use people that are complaining. God is not going to use people that are empty of him. He's going to use people that are willing. I think... We need to keep asking God questions. We need to keep asking God, God, what do you have for my life? Sure, because God is not afraid of our questions. As long as we're asking him and looking for the answers in him and not on people and not on circumstances and not on depending for, you know, I hate people that live on the what's going to be the next prophetic word over my life. Like you think you only you can only live by God coming down and saying something to you out loud or a person saying something to you instead of just open your beautifully God-given Bible and receive what God is going to do for you in your life and what God has for you and walk in that. I think that's something that we've learned and it definitely takes the pressure and the mysticism off too, right? So um, as we come sort of to a conclusion here with you guys is what is maturity? Maturity is walking in the path that God has for you. And naturally, you're going to see that you've changed, you've evolved, you, the things that you wanted in the past, it's not what you want now. Maturity is understanding that life is not all about you, it's looking to others. Maturity in Christ is understanding that we need to love our neighbors more than we love ourselves. You know, to the point that we understand the love of Jesus is a sacrificial love. There was no more mature man than Jesus here on earth, and he was all about giving and surrendering and teaching and taking the time to serve people and that's kind of what we wanted to leave off with you guys is don't be so focused on what am i going to do for the rest of my life focus on god what are you doing this week how can i help 
I think that's our best advice for you guys. Yeah, and I think it's also important in the process of, like, seeking maturity to try to walk closer with people who are already a little bit more mature than you because not only can you learn from them, but if those people are really trying to help you, they'll also be able to water the things that they see in you that can grow. So, like, I know that for both of us, we had small group leaders and, like, ministry leaders who saw potential and would push us to grow. And I think that that made a huge difference. You know, like for me, um, Debbie and Thales would ask me to like give small group once in a while. And I was young. I was maybe like 14, 15 at the time. Um, And I know for you that started really early too and in being in worship really early as well. So I think it's important to get started. That's really the, yeah. the goal. It's a good idea. Surround yourself with people that are older than you, not to hang out, but to learn from them. That's right. kind of the best thing you can do. You should still have your friends, but try to spend some time with people that have gone through more things than you have. That's the only way you're going to really learn. So before we end here, I wanted to touch on something that happened this week, which kind of led us to talk about this a bit today, which was uh, this week I actually got a message from an old friend of mine, old friend of ours, I guess, right? Um and she messaged me and she heard our podcast last week and she was touched by a conversation about forgiveness and this special friend of mine who you know if you're listening to this she was reaching out to me and and kind of asking and releasing forgiveness over my life by the way that i treated her when i had just started being a youth leader and she was you know one of my closest friends at the time and she was helping me with ministry a lot and the way that maybe the way that i made the environment a little bit too uh, what's the word that she used? I didn't make her feel that she could have her opinions as much or be as involved and really truly um, help in that sense. And that's kind of what made me think of like, wow, how far have we've kind of come from that, right? And I, and we talked for a bit, and I, I asked for her to apologize. For I, I apologized. I didn't ask her. I asked for forgiveness for doing that and for kind of disabling her and kind of almost like crippling her at that time, that time of her life and. I think we were both ready to see that we were both dumb and Im- very immature at that time in our lives. And looking back, it's almost like, wow, it's we've grown a lot. We've gone through a lot. And I would have done it totally different back then. Um, so that's kind of, I just wanted to mention that because, and I guess I say this with the boy all the time, the boys all the time. And we were saying that in a small group this week is that you guys are going to look back in a couple of years in your life and you're going to see how like, wow, I was really like dumb and like, yeah, because there are things in yeah. life that you're not going to learn and you're not going to realize until you go through it, yeah, to be yeah. honest. You know, you're not going to mature from one day to the next. It takes years. It's a process. And I think it's a process that never ends, no, to be no, honest. No. You know, like we're talking about this past mistake that you did in the future. And I think that that's one that you've learned from. But nowadays we make mistakes that I'm sure that in 10 years we're going to look back and be like, oh, like how come we didn't realize that? Mm-hmm. But I think it just is are things that come with like asking God for wisdom but also we have to learn from our mistakes and what we do wrong but also really hold on to the things that we do right yeah for sure and we'll keep improving we'll keep getting better and that's what Paul says in Philippians we keep striving and running towards that goal which is when we're gonna finally be made perfect in Jesus Christ really reaching full maturity we're never gonna be fully mature unless God only up to when God really comes back and transforms our body to the perfect body and whatever that's going to look like. You know, who knows if we're going to look the same, if we're going to be taller, shorter, 
skinnier, whatever we're going to look like in the future. But all right, everybody. So if this has been helpful for you, if you're listening to us on Spotify, just click follow. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, can you just leave us a five-star review? That would be great. That would help us out. Follow us on Instagram at the Junker Talk. Or no, Junker Talk. Not the. Sorry. Follow us on Instagram at Junker Talk. So we keep up to date with all our new posts and stories. We appreciate you guys' feedback and commenting and responding to our stories very much. Again, purpose, all about asking God, what are you doing and how can I help? That changes you. You want to say something else, honey? Nope. I think that's all we've got. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye.